Hello and welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you all. Today we have a very special episode. We are celebrating Walt Whitman's 200th birthday. So May 31st, 1819, Walt Whitman was born in Huntington, Long Island, a very rural farming community. And he, he lived and grew up on Long Island, headed over with his family, um, and spent a bunch of years in Brooklyn. And at that point, Brooklyn was this small village that had some of the Long Island rural influence and some of the burgeoning Manhattan's urban influence. So he spent a lot of time in Brooklyn, got involved with volunteering with the Civil War, and worked on a really interesting project interviewing soldiers after the war from both sides. And then he spent his latter years in Camden, New Jersey. So I would say Walt Whitman, the pride of America, is also the pride of Long Island, Brooklyn, and Camden, New Jersey. And the Walt Whitman Bridge goes between Camden and Philadelphia. Anyways, Walt Whitman, you've heard this name before. You might know he was a poet, but let's think about when he lived and why he's important. Why, why we ought to be celebrating him and perhaps why we ought to be revisiting his, his work right now. I'm going to try to lay out that case for you. One thing that I appreciate about Wit was his, his wandering nature. And, and there's this wandering on different levels because he, he would wander, you know, go for long walks and wander and observe and reflect and digest, almost wandering as a spiritual practice, which is something I can relate to. But he also wandered uh, geographically a bit, living in different places throughout his life and enjoyed uh, going back and forth between rural areas and urban areas and putting himself in just different situations. So in that sense, he was a bit of a generalist. Uh, He wanted to engage and know all aspects of the culture. He was a teacher. He was a poet. He was, in some ways, a mystical poet. He was very much an observer and reflector of society. More than reflect, he would say his goal as a poet was to absorb society and to have society absorb him. And this this was his lifelong goal, I believe. I look at Whitman as a sensualist in that he was just so engaged in feeling and, and, and experiencing life on every level. He was that way with the sun, with the stars, with the air. He wanted to make love to the earth. That's the kind of passion he had for intimacy. But it wasn't just intimacy with nature. It was also intimacy with the urban environment and the people and the vast array of people and the changing nature of the city. He was, in a sense, a flaneur, which is a term that might have come after this. I'll have to get back to you on that. But a flaneur is a French term for this urban wandering. And the urban wandering, just experiencing all that this this living organism of the city had to offer. Not looking down at your phone, but just putting that away and just looking at the world with wide eyes, listening to all the dialects, smelling the various smells coming out of bakeries or alleys or who knows what. The city was alive from highbrow to lowbrow. 
and this and the country and the city had a symbiotic relationship. One thing that was a recurrent theme with Whitman is he is a unifier. You have to think of when Whitman was born. So he's born in 1819. And in America, 1819 was a tumultuous year. You could say that 1819 was the end of, of the era of good feelings that existed probably from, you know, into the, into the revolution, so, uh, on the backs of the revolution's victory, and, and then for the next, you know, 20 or 30 years. But by 1819, as the country is growing, it's forcing debates on the identity of the country. And that's forcing us to reckon with, are we going to have slavery as the country expands west, or are we not going to have slavery? And it really started to, the battle lines for the Civil War started to get drawn as early as 1819. It seems that if you were alive during this time and, and really pay attention to the, to the news and the cultural climate, you would see that this tension would really only keep on growing in the, in the 30s, in the 40s, in the 50s. They say by 18, early 1850s, the Civil War seemed imminent. So it's really important to think about where the poet or the writer or the artist or any one of us what what is the cultural melu? What is the cultural setting in which we are finding ourselves? Remember, we talk about the culture is part of the soils in which the plant grows. So Whitman finds himself in this very divided world. Part of him is from this old farming family that has been very, very stable. And he sees the early disruption of machinery and capitalism, the changing society is starting to really happen in the 20s and 30s. 1815, 1805, this is still a very rural village, very stable society, but things are rapidly changing. So we have social disruptions happening to the old social order. We see that the rise of the city is very fascinating to Whitman. The, the, the decline or the shifting landscape of the rural areas. And then he spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was this in-between place. It wasn't Manhattan and it was not the country. So this is the setting we see Whitman. And, and Whitman just has, Whitman was in the printing industry for a lot of his career. So he's always writing. He's always thinking about newspapers. Newspapers in the 1820s were a little bit uh, middle upper class. Like it cost enough that it was not for the common man. But in the, in the late 1820s and 1830s, you had a lot more, you had a lot more penny presses come up. That were able to produce and because you had innovations occurring in the printing industry from decade to decade that suddenly allowed us to produce newspapers for very cheap. So I think Whitman really, as much as he loved engaging society, he also saw the writer and the newspaper, newspaper writers as very much involved in the daily dialogue. And he wanted to be involved in that dialogue. But I don't think the daily articles were deep enough for his content. So he set out to write the American epic poem. And he did. The American epic he would write would come out in July of 1855. And it was called Leaves of Grass. And he would work on this, add a 
add a section, remove a section, add a whole poem or a few poems, take some things out and release this book year every seemingly every few years the rest of his life. So it's a really interesting model as a writer too. He he did produce a few books before this, but they weren't um very they weren't noteworthy. But Leaves of Grass is his his tome. It is his magnus opus. And instead of writing new books, he just wanted to chisel away and and keep on keep on perfecting this American epic. The famous poem within Leaves of Grass is a is the epic poem Song of Myself. And at the time, poetry was very structured, very rigid, very formulaic. He's considered the father of free verse, which is not entirely accurate because other people had been experimenting with free verse before him. But he took free verse uh, to the masses and, and he tried to write the poetic form in, in, in the daily conversation, in a colloquial nature to some extent. So I'm going to read you a sample. And remember, this was if this was written 1850s, this is this is a bit dated, but we can still get into the rhythm and the sound and the images. And I think there is a lot of value of us for, for diving in and, and engaging. So this is in Song of Myself. And I'm going to jump into this section eight. The little one sleeps in its cradle. I lift the gauze and look a long time and silently brush away flies with my hand. The youngster and the red-faced girl turn aside up the bushy hill. I peeringly view them from the top. The suicide sprawls on the bloody floor of the bedroom. I witness the corpse with its dabbled hair. I know where the pistol has fallen. The blab of the pave, tires of carts, slough of boot soles, talk of the promenaders, the heavy omnibus, the driver with his interrogating thumb, the clank of the shod horses on the granite floor, the snow sleighs clinking, shouted jokes, pelts of snowballs, the hurrahs for popular favorites, the fury of roused mobs, the flap of the curtained litter, a sick man inside borne to the hospital. The meeting of enemies, the sudden oath, the blows and fall, the excited crowd. The policeman with his star quickly working his passage to the center of the crowd. The impassive stones that receive and return so many echoes. What groans of overfed or half-starved who fall sunstruck or in its fits. What exclamations of women take suddenly who hurry home and give birth to babes. What living and buried speech is always vibrating here. What howls restrained by decorum. Arrests of criminals, slights, adulterous offers made, acceptances, rejections with convex lips. I mind them or the show or resonance of them. I come and I depart. Okay, so that was... A beautiful rhythm. Oh, I, I am an interesting fan of poetry in that I don't read a lot of poetry. I don't write a lot of poetry. But I think the experience of writing poetry and at times engaging in reading, reading others' poetry is very valuable. Uh, I took a poetry class once up in Rochester, New York at Writers and Books. And it was, it was awesome. I had a poem, poem due every week and it really pushed me to just think in a different way. The lens of the poet is just a different lens and I wonder where poetry is today because we still have poetry but 
culture is a different pace. I mean, what is poetry? What is poetry? And where is poetry today? I mean, that's probably a topic for a whole season. But I digress. So back to Walt. I, I feel like... I'm feeling self-conscious right now because I feel like some people would listen to that poetry and, and said, I, what is he talking about? I don't understand. And, and I get that. It's good when you're reading historical novels or books or poetry to read some supporting materials. And the supporting material that I recommend for reading Whitman is this book that I, I would say is probably one of my favorite books of all time. And I'm in the middle of rereading it, so I might report on it further. It is called Walt Whitman's America, a cultural biography by David Reynolds. Walt Whitman's America, a cultural biography by David Reynolds. This book is, it's its own tome. It's its own beast. It is, it's long and at times dense, but, but richly dense. I mean, it's 580 pages, so it's, it'll keep you busy for a, a summer reading project. But man, it is so awesome. The author, he basically, he took Whitman's vision and his mission and basically added a modern layer to it. Adding his own, adding David Reynolds' own mission and vision, but really supporting supporting Whitman's. Because what he does is he uses Whitman's life and as basically, he says, you know, a cultural biography, which is really a beautiful thing. And every biography is to some extent a cultural biography, but this one emphasizes the culture. It emphasizes the soil in which Whitman grew. Whitman is this distinct, unusual, fascinating plant. But he, but Whitman was so engaged with this beautiful, fascinating culture, and he just tried to absorb it and send it back out. So when we have this context, we begin to understand what's going on in Whitman's poetry. Song of Myself is, is a song, it's not, it contains the word I a lot, but this is not an egotistical I. This is a amorphous, if, if not fluid I. It, there's a spiritual, a very deeply spiritual aspect to Whitman's poetry. And that also is explained or given the framework in Reynolds' book. Because he'll talk about what was going on in the 1800s that Whitman was engaging with. Remember, so much of our modern history in America is built upon what happened 50 years ago. And 50 years ago is built upon what's 100 and 200 years ago. Reading this cultural biography of America and Whitman, it's almost like what we're doing with the Up series. We're trying, we're, we're looking at characters and seeing how they evolve through time to try to understand how this plant, this human grows, how these cultural soils affect the growth of this plant, of the individual or of a generation of individuals. So when you look back and, and you study the history of America in the 1800s, it is endlessly fascinating because you see the trends and the psychology and the themes of our modern American culture present in the past. 
So hopefully by this point I have whet your appetite and I want to leave you with a few more thoughts and before that I want to leave you with a few more places I recommend to go to continue this exploration of Whitman. Song of Myself is a long poem within the book Leaves of Grass. That's one way to follow up and learn more about Whitman. I'll have the references also for an audio version of Song of Myself. I thought I thought about doing um, doing an audio recording of Song of Myself, and if I do, I'll I'll certainly post it. Um, also have the reference for Whitman's America. One point I want to make sure to go a little further into is Whitman as unifier. Whitman really saw a lot of things coming apart. He saw the conflicts with the rural life and the modern life and the challenges and the breakdown of family that was already occurring back then. The same things we see now started as we started this modern society with just different different norms, uh, urban living, more individual. It's fascinating because Whitman was, he could be celebrated as a real champion of individualism in the same way Thoreau is, but they were also champions of society. So how do you champion both of them? Because it seems like a lot of times the individual and the needs of the group or the community or the culture are at odds. But I think what Whitman tries to encourage us is to is to go deep enough into under spiritually and by engaging nature, by engaging urban environments, by engaging life. You you see that we are part of this fascinating mystery. And and I th- and celebrating that is just part of celebrating our own selves. And I think that was a big part of Whitman's mission. He really wanted to write a poem that also celebrated the unity of America and celebrate and bring us back together, heal our division. The division of America was troubling to him and it was unclear if the United States would even survive the Civil War. So his work had importance to try to encourage us to go deeper below our divisions and realize this unity. So whether it's urban and country, whether it's the South and the North, whether it's the heavens and the earth, whether it's the mystery of the unknown or just the soils in our garden, he sees these as interconnected. It's kind of a, it echoes of Taoism, very nature-based, very non-dualistic non-dualistic doesn't mean that there aren't conflicts it means to look below that conflict go a level deeper and see that we're we're essentially in this together we're essentially one in spirit happy birthday walt happy birthday walt know you are loved and appreciated your work goes on we're still engaging it and we're going to do some do some further studies this year in, in celebration of your 200th. And I hope that uh, you can c- continue to be an influence, influence, inspiration into directly engaging life, to really experiencing all that surrounds us. Perhaps you are a, 
a counterpoint to our phones and a distracted reality. Perhaps you can remind us to just listen, observe, and wander, engage, connect, reflect, break past the divisions. 56 up coming up next week. All the notes from the shows are always on weatherofthemind.org. Keep positive, keep living and learning, keep hydrated, keep exercising, eat well, take care of yourself. Bye-bye.